Wow. Thank you so much, worship team. Aren't we blessed to have a bunch of people like this? Yeah, give them a big hand. People who love Jesus and wanting to use the gifts and talents that they have to advance his kingdom. So we are very grateful to God for that. Now for the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to address what I believe is a critical question in our day and age. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, uh, you might have wrestled with this question at some point in your life, or maybe you still do. And this is the question I'm referring to. Is the Bible true? Is this book reliable? Can you count on this book? Now, how you answer this question will determine a number of things. Well, if you think about this, all of our major Christian beliefs comes from this book. So if this book is false, then we have very little ground to stand on. If you go to our church website, cschurch.ca, and look at our statement of faith, you will find out what we believe about the Bible as a church. It reads, we believe that the Bible, consisting of the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, is the authoritative written word of God and contains no error in all that it teaches. We believe in the historical interpretation of the Bible. It was written by human authors under the inspiration and supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. It is the supreme source of truth for Christian beliefs and teaches and trains Christ's followers how to grow in relationship with God and others and live a holy and fulfilling life. So that's what we as a church, Center Street Church, believe about the Bible. Why, you may wonder, why such a significant place for a book considered by many people in our world today as outdated, old, culturally irrelevant, and repressive? Now, I hope that you will find some answers today. The very first time I saw a Bible was when I was 17 years old. A friend of mine gave me a Bible. I still remember it. It was a green color, Gideon's Bible, the one you see in some hotel rooms even today. And also the Bible I received was a King James Version. Uh, the print was small. It didn't even have any chapter headings. And when I started reading that Bible, I came to the conclusion that this book is totally beyond my comprehension. On a side note, uh, don't ever give a King James Version Bible to anyone unless you're giving it to Shakespeare himself. <laughs> now, I didn't understand much of the Bible until someone gave me a different version, a New Living Translation. And all of a sudden, the Bible started coming alive. And I fell in love with God's Word, and that is true of me even today. Yeah, go ahead and give a big hand. Praise God. Yeah. So here's a question. Is the Bible true or is it just a fictional work? Now, I want to show you first what the Bible has to say about itself. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul writes, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 
Now the word translated there as inspired literally means God breathed. The Bible was not dictated by God. It was not copied word by word by human authors. But what we believe is God the Holy Spirit supernaturally guided the human writers to compose the words. And at the same time, God didn't violate the author's humanity, personality, or their context. The human authors were free to write what they wanted, and yet it was God who was behind the scenes ensuring the integrity and accuracy of what was being written. Now, while the process of inspiration seems like a mystery, the final result was God's inerrant authoritative word. Now, there are at least 1,500 times the Bible calls itself as the word of God. Well, now somebody may argue, you can't use the Bible to prove the Bible. Now, that's like a restaurant owner writing a Google review for his own restaurant saying, we sell the best food in town. Well, fair enough. Are there any other evidences that indicate to the truth of the Bible? The limited time that I have, I'm going to touch on some basic reasons on why I believe the Bible is trustworthy. If you have more questions or would like to talk to somebody, you know, you feel free to approach uh, somebody with a now t-shirt or one of the pastors and ministry leaders here in the church, and we will be happy to sit down with you and answer your questions. Another great resource is the Why Believe series that uh, Pastor Henry did a while ago, where he builds a strong case for the Christian faith. So you can find those sermons on our website as well. Now let me start off with uh, one of my favorite reasons why I believe the Bible is true. It has to do with the consistency of its message. You need to know the Bible is not one book. It's a collection of 66 books with multiple authors. The Quran or the Book of Mormons don't have the same degree of complexity because they have a single writer. Now hear me, these 66 books of the Bible were written by close to 40 authors over a period of 1,500 years. And add to the complexity, those who wrote the Bible lived during different times, spoke different languages, lived under different cultures, and were separated by hundreds of years. The writers of the Bible came from all walks of life. Shepherds, fishermen, soldiers, physicians, preachers, kings. To say that the writers of the Bible were diverse would be an understatement. And more importantly, that they had no idea that they were all writing one unified book and yet there is harmony in the message they communicate. The Bible writers wrote on highly controversial issues like the nature of God, the character of humans, meaning of life, origin of the universe, matters of morality. And yet, yet despite this challenging array of topics, the Bible displays a flawless internal consistency. There are no contradictions in the Bible. All of the Bible, from Genesis to the book of Revelation, points to one person, Jesus Christ, because he is the central character of the Bible. Now, I will challenge you to do this exercise. Take any field you can think of, like science, philosophy, history, ethics, 
and look at the works of multiple authors from various cultures speaking on this subject over a time span of 1,500 years, do you think there will be contradictions? Will they even make sense? Will what they say be coherent? No way. Because of extensive changes that happen over a course of time, there will be gaping differences in views that are being expressed. And not so with the Bible. The reason the human authors of the Bible with various backgrounds, various time periods are in agreement is because there is a divine author behind the scenes who was fully engaged in this process of putting this book together. Now, isn't that incredible? To me, that alone is a valid reason that testifies to the authenticity of the Bible. Now, I'll give you another reason why the Bible is true. This is a little bit technical, but I want you to pay attention. This is really important. Evidence from manuscripts. When you carefully study the subject, you can't help but come to the conclusion that the Bible has been accurately preserved. Most scholars agree that the Bible is the most accurately transmitted book from the ancient world. Now, just so you understand this, we don't have the original manuscripts of the Bible, also called the autographs. The papyrus in which uh, Apostle John or Paul wrote their letter is not with us anymore. But what we have are handwritten copies. Scribes copied the original writings for the purpose of distribution. We have numerous copies of copies of copies. Now, some people think this is concerning. Now, if you've ever played the game telephone, where you whisper a phrase in someone's ears and ask them to share it with the next person, and it goes on and on, the message in the end is inevitably different from the message in the beginning. So in the same way, people question, how can we trust the Bible? If people have been copying the Bible one after another, then how do we know that this message that we have resembles the original message? Well, the way to resolve the dilemma revolves around two issues. How many copies of manuscripts we have, and how early are those manuscripts? The more manuscript copies we have, it will be easier to compare and contrast for possible contradictions, mistakes, inconsistencies. And with that, we will be able to reconstruct the original. Now, let me show you how many New Testament manuscripts we have in comparison to the other ancient texts of the same time. If you look at the slide there, you know, we have over 5,800 handwritten Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. And in comparison are other ancient literatures that comes close. That, you know, these literatures that people take for granted. And you can see the difference. Homer's Iliad, 2,200. Plato's Tetralogies, 49. Aristotle's writings, just seven. Clearly, the New Testament has the greatest number of manuscripts by far of any writing of its kind from the ancient world. Now, what about the time gap between the original autograph and the earliest surviving copy that is available? How can we know that uh, the copies represent the original? Well, the smaller the gap in this case, when it comes to years, the more reliable are the copies. So if you look at the second uh, slide there, 
when it comes to the New Testament, the span of years between original composition and the earliest copy available is 90 years. You can see from the slide how this compares with other works of the ancient times. You know, there is a small fragment of a papyrus with portions of the Gospel of John that is kept today at a library in University of Manchester that dates back to the second century, some believe to be 120 AD. And that matches with the Gospel of John we have today. That, I tell you, is stunning. Now, let me admit something here. When you compare the 5,800 Greek manuscripts we have of the New Testament, they are all not totally identical. The accuracy scholars say is about 99%. So there are minor differences between the copies of the New Testament, but that is to be expected. They could be errors in spellings or punctuation, a few cases where a word is added or missing. But because we have multiple copies of the New Testament, it is easy to corroborate them and arrive at the original. And I tell you, even if there are minor differences, you can be certain that essential Christian beliefs are not affected by these textual variants. Now, what about the Old Testament? There are numerous reasons to believe in the reliability of the Old Testament manuscripts. But perhaps one of the most convincing evidences is the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, in 1947, in a village near Jerusalem called Qumran, archaeologists discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. Tens of thousands of scrolls dating from the 3rd century BC to AD 68. All of them stored in caves. And they include manuscripts or fragments of every book in the Hebrew Bible, except for the book of Esther. And in fact, we have an entire copy of the book of Isaiah, one of the central books in the Old Testament. So the Dead Sea Scroll gives us confidence in the reliability of the Old Testament manuscripts since there were minimal differences between the manuscripts that had previously been discovered and those that were found in Qumran. Well, that's enough with the heavy stuff, so take a deep breath. Let's move to another reason why the Bible is true. Fulfilled prophecies. You know, any book that makes predictive prophecies pertaining to the future that comes to pass surely is no ordinary book. You know, these prophecies that you find in the Bible are not vague or fuzzy, but they are direct and precise. Now, I can come up with numerous prophecies from the Bible that have been fulfilled, especially with regard to the coming of Jesus Christ. And for the sake of time, I'll give you just one of the prophecies about Jesus that predicts his crucifixion. Psalm 22, verse 16 says, they pierce my hands and my feet. Now, if you read that entire Psalm, Psalm 22, it offers a vivid description of an execution scene. Not just any execution, but execution by crucifixion. It's simply remarkable to note that these words were written hundreds of years before death by crucifixion was even invented. 
But it appears that the one writing is giving a first-hand account of the crucifixion as if this person was an eyewitness. Psalm 22 makes reference to the agonies of a crucified person, such as the disjointing of bones, the drying up of a person's strength, an intense sense of thirst, and the piercing of the hands and feet. A thousand years after this psalm was spent, Jesus would be crucified on the cross. He would endure such extreme physical and spiritual agony and would shed every drop of his blood. And because of that great act of sacrifice, today we have forgiveness for our sins. As the hymn writer puts it, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I want you to know, if you need forgiveness today, it is freely available only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. For that moment in your life, when you place your faith in Jesus, your sins are washed away, and the Bible tells us that we become new creation in Christ. Now, so far, I've given some rational arguments for why the Bible is true. But what I'm gonna say now is perhaps why you need to take the Bible seriously. It's because of its power to change lives. Millions of people who accept the Bible as the Word of God attest to its transforming power. Now hear these words from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You know, the Bible is not just a collection of words of nice-sounding spiritual cliches. The Bible is alive and active. The Word of God has power. It has the power to cut open like a surgeon's scalpel. The words of the Bible have a searching effect. We don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us and tells us about ourselves. When God speaks to you personally through his word, you can't just cover up and pretend like everything is okay. You can't continue to project a false image of yourself that you want everybody else to believe about you. The Bible shows us our true selves. It reveals our inmost thoughts. And God the Spirit uses his word to change us inside out and redirect our lives. Young people, I want you to listen to me. You know, as much as I love seeing you all worship here, singing and clapping and dancing, I tell you what would give me greater joy is when you sit alone in the presence of God, in quietness and solitude with no spotlights, no smoke, no hype, and you open your Bible and hear the Word of God speak to yourself in a personal way. That, I tell you, is the real challenge for the next generation. So young people, build your life 
on the rock-solid convictions of God's Word. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. And what is incredible is the Bible doesn't just cut us open, but it also has the power to heal. And you can find deep comfort in the most distressing time of your life when you look to the promises in this book. You know, countless times in my own life when I have been down and discouraged and I'm in the midst of the storms of life, I have looked to this book and I can testify today this book has not let me down. There's always something that God has to say when we turn to the Bible and look to him for comfort. I'll close with this. You know, many of you know Nabil Qureshi, who came to faith in Christ from a Muslim family. He passed away a couple of years ago at age 34. In his book, uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, Nabil shares his dramatic story of how he came to faith in Christ. Now, upon investigating the truths of the Christian faith, Nabil knew that the Christian faith had such a strong case that cannot be refuted. Now, unable to deny the evidences for the Bible, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and at the same time, not wanting to disappoint his family, his parents who had given him such a strong Islamic foundation, Nabil stood at a crossroad in his life. And he writes about a decisive moment in his life and he was almost ready to surrender his life to Jesus. Alone in his apartment building, he had the Quran in one hand and the Bible on the other. The idea of going against his entire family and his heritage was so daunting that he struggled with the gravity of this decision. And he was desperately looking for personal comfort. And Nabil says, I sat down on the couch and opened the Quran first. I flipped through the pages looking for verses for comfort. Not finding any, I frantically flipped one page to another, hoping for something, anything that would comfort me. And there was nothing there. Looking for a living word. Nabil says, I put the Quran down and picked up the Bible. And you need to know, until this time, Nabil had researched the Bible, studied it like a textbook with a critical mind, but never ever looked to this book for personal guidance. And not knowing where to start, he came to the New Testament and started off with the Gospel of Matthew. And Nabil writes, within minutes of reading, I found these words. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the words, he says, were like a current sent through my dead heart, electrifying it once more. This was what I was looking for. It was as if God had written these words in the Bible 2,000 years prior, specifically with me in mind. Church, that is one of the reasons why we believe the Bible is true. Because when God speaks to you through this book, it is as though the words were written specifically with you in mind. 
Have you ever had that experience? Now, I pray that you will open the Bible in a fresh new way. That it will not just be words in a page, but you will experience the power of God's Word coming alive in your life in a personal way. In closing, let me leave you with this challenge. If you don't have a regular habit of studying the Bible, there's a handout available in the atrium at the end of the service as you walk out you can take one handout and it'll give you bible passages that you can read on the life and ministry of jesus it's a two-week bible reading plan so you will learn about the greatest person who has ever lived and his teachings and more importantly you will develop a habit that will serve you well for the rest of your life going to hand it now back to the worship team. Thank you for listening. God bless you.